Welcome. Hello, everyone out there in Sea Cadet land. Once again, this is Dr. Sean Johnson, and you are at On the Crow's Nest with us here. Uh, it's been a minute since uh, you've heard from us, at least in this modality, in this venue. Uh, that's just because we have been so busy trying to, actually not trying, but actually creating a lot of new stuff for everyone out there as quickly as we can. I think we, you know it's it's even difficult for us to remember that uh, there's just about a dozen of us <laughs> working hard here in Arlington, uh, and we're still remote. So um, as a result of the public health crisis, so you know we are meeting every week, always talking about you, adults, cadets alike out there in the field and trying to figure out how we can deliver the best experience for you. So uh, with that, uh, we have a great conversation. I actually had this conversation recorded uh, yesterday uh, with one of our board members, and I'm going to refer to him as Master Chief Vincent Patton. He can also be referred to as Dr. Patton, the retired from the Coast Guard, but the 8th Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard. And I had to ask him during the interview, I said, wait a second. Okay, so I know it's been a minute since you were in the, 2002, since you were in the Coast Guard, but the eighth, so you're talking single digits, right? There are only eight before you. So apparently uh, there are only eight Master Chief Petty Officers prior to uh, Dr. Patton. So I thought that was really interesting. And um, one of our board members, also a former Sea Cadet, uh, agreed to share with us uh, his experiences from being in the Coast Guard for 30 years. He has an interesting story about how he became a cadet and a really interesting story about how he got into the Coast Guard. And so at the top of the show, I played you an excerpt, and we'll close the show with the same, uh, Semper Paratus, which is the Latin phrase meaning always ready, and that's used as the official motto of the Coast Guard. So I thought that was interesting to hear. And I'm going to include uh, Master Chief Patton's bio uh, in the show notes. But I'm telling you, I'm just looking over it here. I mean, not only Master Chief, but Principal Advisor to the Commandant of the Coast Guard. Um, you know, affected matters of over 45,000 personnel. Um, testified before Senate and House committees. Um, he's a Doctor of Education from American University. Um, Loyola University of Chicago. I mean, he's got a really interesting story, a really interesting background, and you can tell just by the interview how committed he is to uh, sort of thinking about the strategic direction, the future of the program. He's got a lot of really interesting ideas, and we just had a great chat. So what I'm going to do is turn it over to that. Hope you enjoy it, and I'll catch you on the other side. Then we are here with Master Chief Vincent Patton. And, um, you know, first of all, I want to thank you on behalf of uh, the Sea Cadets for, for joining us. You know, we have a, and what I hear, a former cadet as well, correct? That is correct. Oh, man. So I think, um, you know, the first thing I'd love to hear about, and I'm sure uh, folks in the field would love to hear about, is just your time as a cadet. I mean, what was that like for you? And now, you know, you're on the board. And so we do have a board that uh, sort of advises sort of our overall strategic vision and direction. So to go from cadet to board, um, love to hear about your experiences as a cadet, though. 
Oh, wow. You know, now that you say that, wow, from cadet to board, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and my, uh, my experience as a cadet was, you know, it, it was over 50 years ago, but it seems like yesterday. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I was, uh, I was walking home from school, which was actually a three mile walk. Uh, I decided to not take the bus one day. I'm walking home from school and this guy pulls up in a car. And he uh, he says, "Hey, I want to talk to you." And I, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a tenth grader, so I'm a little old enough that uh, I won't get in in the car with strangers. Right. <laughs> so, this, this, but I went over to, to talk to this gentleman, and he handed me a brochure, and he said, he says, uh, he says, he says, my name is Mr. Hannon, and I'm starting up a a, a naval sea cadet program uh, that'll be at the Broadhead Naval Armory. This is in Detroit. Okay. And uh, I'd like to get to this to, to come. And uh, I said, well, what's the Naval Sea Cadet program? So, well, you know, it's kind of like the Boy Scouts a little bit, except we really focus a lot on the nautical things. And, but the whole key thing is about teaching about discipline and leadership and went on and on and talked about that. Now, I was interested immediately, mostly because of the fact that my oldest brother, who is uh, eight years older than I am, he's he had gone off into the Navy, and I was just so interested in what he was doing in the Navy, and I wanted to do it. So this uh, offer to come uh, be part of the Naval Secret Program was a, was a pretty easy uh, decision for me. So I went to, the, uh, to, to my first meeting, and I got to meet uh, uh, several of the uh, uh, kids that were part of the group. We had about 24 uh, at the time that was part of our unit. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I got to really, really enjoy it. Uh, we went to the different programs. Uh, uh, this is, you know, we're talking 1969. This is back mm. in, uh, and, uh, the coast, the, uh, not coast, the, the Navy actually, you know, they had a, uh, a Naval Reserve unit there in, in Detroit where we drilled at, which is a broadhead Naval Armory. And the Navy also had an, uh, air station, which was located in Grossville. Michigan, which is just south of Detroit, that uh, uh, the Sea Cadets were able to go there. That's where that's where I went to boot camp uh, to the uh, Sea Cadet boot camp, uh, which was uh, uh, two weeks in the summer. I got to do that. So, okay. uh, but I, I what I what I will always remember of that program was it was the foundation that taught me really truly taught me about leadership and really truly taught me about teamwork and about working together with people as a team. And, uh, you know, and I think even to this day, you know, we fast forward, uh, what, 50, 52 years later, and, you know, 50, yeah, 52, 53 years later. And uh, that all seems like it all happened yesterday. So that's interesting. You know, I, I'm wondering, uh, you know, and of course, I'd love to know more about how the, you know, the organization, the, how you see, its role as far as being a youth leadership program has changed, but I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, were you always, so, so I'm talking to the eighth master chief petty officer of the coast guard. So does that mean that there were only eight prior to you? That's correct. Wow. Yes. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. They're up to 13 now, but I was, I, I, I was the eighth. I was selected in 1998. Uh, and became the eighth master petty officer. Wow, single digits. Okay, so only eight. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so what was that? You know, did you? 
were you interested in the Coast Guard prior to Sea Cadets? Do you think, or, or did that cement some kind of desire to go in the Coast Guard? So, you know, what was that transition like for you? Well, this is a true story, and I tell the story, and people say, oh, no, it can't be true. Well, you know, I mentioned about my oldest brother, who was in the Navy, and I, and I and I just so much wanted to follow his footsteps, and so it was all about me going in the Navy. I, I had every knowledge of the Navy you could ever think of, and and since my my parents and my family, everybody knew that when I finished high school, I was going in the Navy. In fact, my my secret uh, unit, they all knew I was going into the Navy. So on my 17th birthday, when I became a senior in high school, uh, I was allowed to sign up for the uh, delayed enlistment program, mm-hmm. which meant you're a senior in high school, and when you finish high school, into the Navy you go. So, uh, uh, so on my 17th birthday, that was my birthday present, to go sign up to join the Navy. And I went down to the federal building in downtown Detroit and uh, walked into the building, and there was a long, narrow hallway where all the recruiters were. And at the end of the hallway sat a, 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 a sailor in his uh, blue uniform, and he was at the desk. He was on the phone. I thought, that's the Navy recruiter, and I made a beeline for the office. And so he said, have a seat. I'll be right with you, because he was on the phone. And so just as I got ready to sit down, I looked at the pictures on the wall, and, you know, Navy ships are great. Mm-hmm. But all the ships I saw were white, and they said Coast Guard. Ah, I had, I had walked into the wrong recruiting office. Oh, back, back then, the Coast Guard uniform was exactly the same as the Navy uniform. What's the difference of the hat? Uh, while the the you know the Navy Dixie Cup uh, hat for enlisted uh, was uh, was was prevalent among the, the the Navy, the Coast Guard enlisted they would wear what we call Donald Duck hat. The uniforms have now since changed since 1976. But anyway, I, you know, I walk in the office. I saw this Teddy officer, second class. He's, he's in his Cracker Jack blue uniform. And that, to me, I thought was the Navy. So, so you would think I would turn around and walk out. Well, I was too embarrassed to walk out. And I, while he's on the phone, I said, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm going to listen to him. And then I'll go find the Navy recruiting officer. Well, while I'm waiting, uh, I'm walking around the office and I'm looking at the pictures. Uh, yeah, I knew about the Coast Guard, of course, because of uh, the Naval Secret Program. We we certainly learned about the Coast Guard as well as the uh, the other military services as well. But I was fixed on the Navy. Mm. But uh, but as I'm waiting for the recruiter to get off the phone and I'm looking at pictures and everything, I come across this unit commendation that was hanging on the wall. One of the recruiters that was in that office uh, happened to be involved. And what is known even today as the greatest rescue the Coast Guard has ever done, uh, which was back in 1952, it was the uh, the sinking of the SS uh, uh, um, Mercer and Pendleton, which which happened off of uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And uh, in fact, Disney made a movie called The Finest Hour. Okay. But, uh, just so the site, so the citation is up, and it was explaining this rescue and how this all went, and, and I read this thing, and, and I just kind of put myself into that, that, that whole story that, wow, I could do this. And I said, wow. I said it out loud because I was just so, in, you know, enthralled in the reading it. And so the recruiter stopped this phone call, looked up at me, and said, I guarantee you'll have one of those in your first four years in the Coast Guard. Oh. And that's 
how am I going to coast down? <laughs> so you're right. That can't that can't possibly be true. There's just no way. Exactly. There's no especially way. When, yeah, exactly. Especially for for seven years, all I wanted to do was join the Navy, and you know, I was so involved with the Navy through the Sea Cadet program. I knew everything about the Navy. Everything, you know, beside the ranks and so forth. I knew about the ships. I knew everything. So, I, all it took was reading that citation, and all of a sudden, I decided I wanted to join the Coast Guard. Well, that that's is what I did. I joined the Coast Guard. I mean, that's something. <laughs> what do they call that? Providence, serendipity. Who knows what that is? But that's I mean, about right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so in thinking about that, you know, when we talk about sort of introducing young people to the sea services. I mean, do you get a sense at all, you know, given you had experience with the Navy and then now most of your actual background and experience with the Coast Guard, do you see anything that if someone is trying to choose one or the other or or go one direction or the other, let's say they don't have a completely accidental experience like you and the choice is sort of made based on fate. I mean, is there something young people should be looking towards or thinking about differently depending on what they want to do or which direction they want to take? Well, you know, I would say uh, as a young person, and I'm going to, and I'll, I'll date myself back in, in that year of 1971 when I decided to, because we're going to Coast Guard. It was really all about uh, having a vision, mm-hmm. uh, imagination, and that's what I had. And so, and I think even today, that's what young people have. Let your imagination run wild with yourself, and particularly with uh, an interest in wanting to go into the military. Uh, to, to, to put yourself into the picture of the different branches of the service and what you what you like to do, what do you see, and and uh, and, and get more into the mission itself, and that's what helps you make the decision. Because, like I said. Uh, for seven years, I was conditioned to go into the Navy, and, mm-hmm. and imagine it took me, uh, you know, reading a a, a, a a three paragraph, and I changed my mind because it was imagination, and that's and that's what I would tell young people today is that uh, uh, don't ignore your imagination. Inter- you know, and that that's interesting because we we have a tendency to see things now being so scripted out for folks. You know, there's so many hoops and uh, obstacles to jump through you know let's just check off the requirements from one year to the next and just follow that and, and you'll get to where you need to go but I think imagination that's a really interesting concept that I I, I wonder if we're still if we're still encouraging that somewhat I hope so yeah you know and every young person I talk to I remind them of that and then you know and there's some guided ways of how to do that particularly with one of the amazing things that uh, that is taught in the speaker of that program, particularly as we talk about leadership and the building blocks toward leadership, we talk about uh, understanding core values. We, mm-hmm. we talk about leadership principles. I mean, that in itself all surrounds the opportunity to have innovative thought, to be able to have that that concept, to be able to picture yourself where you think you want to look five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and so forth. Has there been, you know, we can talk about the, you know, core values and there's different values, different leadership principles, you know, wherever you're at. I'm wondering, has there been one core value or leadership principle that's sort of been your North Star, one that's 
one that you've really focused in on and thought that that maybe uh, propelled you towards success more than others? Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I uh, earlier in my Coast Guard career, and I do credit the Sea Cadet program for me to even think along these ways, is that uh, I was, you know, now they didn't use the phrase of core values way back then, but what they did talk about was being able to, uh, to set at least some type of a, of a standard, of an idea of, of, of what you want to do and how you want to do that. And so for me, it was always about looking at a couple of things. It was about, uh, I've always heard about uh, being the example, setting an example, uh, and recognizing the fact that that uh, to be a good leader is that you want people to follow you. You want people to be inspired by you and so forth. So the term inspired is what kind of sort of set the ground work for me. And uh, and as I say, uh, again, I credit the Sea Cadet Program for, for even having that concept of idea to do that. And it molded into creating my own personal core values, and uh, uh, which I use those personal core values even today, and I mirrored them very closely with what the Coast Guard core values, which are honor, respect, and devotion to duty. Hmm. My personal core values just happens to be people, passion, and performance. Hmm. And it comes down to looking after the needs of the people, or the shipmates, the whole concept of understanding what teamwork is all about, uh, the passion part is about enthusiasm, uh, about having uh, the inspiration of being uh, a leader and and, be, and being passionate about the things of what we do. And then performance is just quite simply prepare well so you can perform well. And that included uh, getting involved with understanding uh, training aspects, education, things that help propel you into the future by, by preparing well. So, so in thinking about propelling yourself into the future. I mean, you know, having worked with, with young folks over the last couple of decades, one of the things that we're, we're not seeing as much, at least folks that, that get out of high school or college, is this long-term investment in, in a single project, vocation. You know, we see lots of folks, uh, young people, young professionals going from, you know, maybe staying in a job for two to three years and going to something next, going to something different, so what when I think about someone who's been 30 years of active service, I mean, to, to become only one of eight, uh, and we can get, you know, I'd love to get more about, get into more about your experiences as a, a Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, but, you know, what do you attribute to this long-term investment in, in, in a single institution and, and putting that that work to sort of, develop your skills, develop your credentials, develop your experience that you can keep building and building and building until you can, you know, sort of achieve, you know, these leadership levels of something like a master chief petty officer. I mean, 30 years is a long time to do anything. So, you know, um, what do you attribute that, that long-term investment in one, one thing or one institution? Well, uh, commitment, it's really all about commitment. And as, as the Navy's core values is, honor, courage, and commitment, that commitment, you know, centers itself around a lot of things in, in terms of having the dedication and the discipline and, and focusing on, on um, putting a plan together and sticking to it. And, and what I mean by putting a plan together and sticking to it 
there may be deviations of that plan because, of course, you may have desired goals that you want to do. And for whatever reason, there may be a bump in the road that kind of slows you down or have you uh, change paths. And that's happened to me in my in my lifetime. Uh, but but still be able to adjust and, and, and adjust to the point that you still have a goal and, the, and be committed to setting goals, be committed to working on it. That's the, that's the true foundation of your success. So in order, I mean, so then you're talking about all these experiences and commitment to eventually, you know, sort of earn your way, work your way to, to master chief petty officer. And I'm, I'm really interested in your sort of day-to-day experiences because one of the things, of course, as you know, that the CCADEP program, we're uh, considering senior chief E8 and, and master chief E9 uh, new rates within our program. And so wondering how experiences as a master chief, I mean, at least for me, you know, someone without a military background, it seems like this mysterious level, you do all sorts of behind the curtain magic to make things work uh, effectively. I mean, what is the daily life of a master chief petty officer? And then, you know, to follow that up, how do we translate that to, because I'm going to be taking notes on that, because if I'm going to be thinking about how we can do that, you know, E8s and E9s in our program, you know, how do we, you know, really develop folks that will take it to the highest levels, not only of the Coast Guard or the Navy, but, you know, to our program as well? How do we sort of translate that excellence and that motivation towards excellence to young people? Well, I think this goes back to what I said a little earlier about core values, is that uh, uh, the, the best way to hone effective skills uh, uh, to reach up up into the uh, the ranks as a senior chief or the master chief, it really is about core values. It really is about how well do you exhibit uh, what the core values are and what are your personal core values that match with it, that, that you're able to complement from your personal core values to be successful from the organizational core values, uh, the secret organizational core values, which, of course, we were following the Navy's core values of, of honor, courage, and commitment. And, uh, and, and really really put a, uh, uh, a very serious approach to that, that they're not just words. Uh, we want to get cadets today, just as I think about in, uh, for folks in the Navy and the Coast Guard as well, that that grew up in listed ranks and so forth, that when we talk about those core values, when we say honor, courage, and commitment, uh, well, what does it mean? I mean, what does it mean to you? And how do you achieve that? How do you get there? How do you display that? So it's more than just words. It's an action. It's, 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 it's defining and putting those leadership principles together. It's a case of looking at being the example, recognizing the fact that Senior leaders are always living in a glass house that these people will see you. And therefore, you have to always respond ethically and effectively in terms of working with people and doing things, just being the example, setting the pace. You know, you, you've got to be the one that sets the environment to, to have a good, workable environment for people to, uh, to want to be there, that want to be with you, that want to be part of a team that also want to have their goals and their desires. So, so that senior chief, that master chief, has to be the, the chief team leader, the chief cheerleader, to get folks who want to 
achieve what their goals are and work for them and work with them on their goals as well. So how do we, I mean, how do we teach something like that? You know, how do we get someone to sort of take that, take on that role, take it seriously? Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I hesitate to say, well, you're either born with it or you're not, but, you know, because that would limit to, to who feels like they can achieve that. But how do we, how do we get someone to work towards that? What do we, what do we teach them in the process? Well, we start with, with working with, with, the, uh, with, with the young people today in terms of talking about the whole aspect of teamwork. How effective are you in a team? How effective are you working closely with the team? What, what, what is exactly your involvement working together with people? And how do you rise from that? How do you become that cheerleader, so to speak, in order to help to build the success within your team as a whole? And, you know, and so, so the building block to that, it goes back to the core values, is that we start with, with asking every cadet, uh, you know, what are your personal core values? You're not, you're not young, and, you know, I should say, you're, you're old enough to know what personal core values are. You know, what are they? There, there's got to be that magic phrase, that magic word. And not that all of us all have the same personal core values, but what we do have is looking at the organizational thing, like, for example, looking at honor, courage, and commitment as the organizational core values. What do you do to achieve that? So what we have to do is challenge our young people to understand what is it that it takes for them to achieve the organizational core values. So, so it, it, means, it means getting each and every young person to recognize their own personal work, to recognize and define what their personal core values are. That's, that's the best way, the best approach to be able to do that. And as that happens, then that sort of helps to mold uh, that concept of that individual to look at where their future is, what their vision is, and where their success is lie. So speaking of that, um, and as a board member. I'm sure you've got some inside knowledge that I don't have, but um, you know, what do you see as the future, you know, of this program? I mean, where, where do we want to take it? Um, I know, I know I hear, you know, leaders of character. That is, that is one of the primary missions of the organization. So what is the future of that in terms of preparing leaders of character? Where do you see the trajectory of the program going, it's sort of, it's sort of uh, overarching role or mission uh, within, you know, society today. You know, does it support schools in that work? Does it? I mean, what do you think the future is for the program? Well, I think the future for the program is pretty much looking at the examples that the program has already set, and I'm just one of of, of thousands of, of young people who have gone through the CPS program and moved on and have had a very successful, wonderful life. Whether they, they served in the military or not, and went on and did different kinds of things. Like that. We've got a lot of success uh, uh, of people who have been part of this program as great examples uh, that we want to continue that. We compound that because those successes help to build the citizenship of our country as a whole. Uh, our hope uh, is, is that we want every young cadet that comes into the Sea Cadet Corps program uh, to look at how they can make a contribution uh, to our culture, to our society, to our country. 
And it's all because of the understanding of that honor, courage, and the commitment uh, to be able to be successful. If you want to become a teacher, we will give you at least the tools for you to become a very successful teacher. You want to be an engineer. You want to be whatever it is that you want to be is that where, where we find our future of the Seeking Encore program is to permeate our society with, with, with young people who have the concept, the idea, the knowledge, and the passion to, uh, to succeed. So, and I guess just to sort of conclude, um, I'm wondering, when we think about trying to sort of increase our sense of belonging uh, within this, making sure that sort of everyone feels included in an organization that is military-focused, reaching out to units in under-resourced communities or reaching out to, to under-resourced communities to consider uh, fielding some units, trying to um, you know consider different ways to bring in a more a diverse population, not not just racially, but socioeconomic, culturally, people with non-military backgrounds. You know, how do we increase this sense of belongingness into an organization like this? Well, you know, that's a challenge that we, I, I wish I had a, 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 a blueprint answer for you on that. And I, you know, oh, I, I was ready to write that down. I was ready to write down your blueprint. <laughs> You got, I got, well, you know, a, I got a blank about, page here and everything ready to go. <laughs> well, you know, I think about myself, you know, having grown up in the inner city of Detroit and, you know, in, in what could be defined as a, as a uh, underprivileged type area and so forth. And, and just what the program has done for me is that the, the, the outcome to that, it goes back to the, my previous comments about uh, we want to help to make our society better. We want to help to build the citizenship of our community, uh, uh, to look at the future of all kinds of aspects of, of what uh, we see professions overall. And we need to have a, uh, uh, a diverse population uh, in terms of having people given or provided the opportunity to give them that chance to succeed. And, and and that's what happened to me. That 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 day when uh, in October of 1969, when Mr. James Cannon pulled over and wanted to talk to me, I'm not sure if he pulled over and wanted to talk to me because he was looking for a black kid, or, <laughs> or or he just or he was just looking for somebody that that you know here's a young guy that I think could, that could probably uh, use the help. And by God, I did need the help, and and it, and it did help me be successful. And I I I say this with all thought that. There are a lot of Vince Pattons out there, uh, and, and, and as well as, you know, young men and young women that, uh, that can, all they need is the hand up versus the hand out. They mm-hmm. want to be able to reach out, give them the hand to be able to, to allow them the chance so they can grow. And we see this many, many times over that this happens. And the Secret Ed program is just one of those vehicles that will help and be successful to make that happen. Uh, we on the board uh, are committed uh, uh, completely to not just continue to help grow our C-Cadet program as a whole, but committed to grow our C-Cadet program to ensure that we're reaching out uh, to all levels of, of young people, regardless mm-hmm. of, uh, of, 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 of sex, race, you know, uh, uh, origin, or whatever the case may be. 
we want to reach out to all because we are concerned and we are focused on success uh, for our young people so they can be successful uh, in our culture. Well, Master Chief Patton, Dr. Patton, Sir Patton, um, uh, I want to thank you so much for taking the time, not only for your participation on the board, I'm sure uh, your expertise is highly valued and, and completely necessary for propelling uh, the program further along into the 21st century. So I uh, appreciate you for your for your work there and then definitely for taking the time to speak uh, to cadets, adults, interested in the program alike, their families, their friends. Um, I learned a lot, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate it. All right. Well, anytime you want to come back, we are here. Uh, so uh, definitely let us know, and let's be in touch. Thank you so much. Oh, please. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be more than happy. Call on me anytime. Wasn't that a great chat? Super nice guy. And you know what I want to say is um, when I imagine myself uh, speaking to folks who are Rear Admiral Lower Half, Master Chief Petty Officer, I mean, I always imagine that there was this distance. Uh, you know, uh, we weren't going to be able to understand each other or something like that. But, I mean, I'm just finding out that, uh, uh, you know, folks that have been in Coast Guard, Navy, Marines, what have you, for 30 years, 25 years, 40 years. Um, everyone's just so approachable. Everyone is so nice. So, um, you know, for those of you out there that do have these titles, uh, do understand that folks are, you know, before they talk to you, they're they're trying to make sure that their shirts are all buttoned up and, and <laughs> everything is in order before they open their mouths. But then when you finally do uh, have conversations, um you know, it's it's just so humanizing and, uh, you know, friendly chats. And so um, I guess, you know, you, you wouldn't want to get on the other side of that conversation, maybe be reprimanded or something like that. Uh, maybe you'll see a whole different side. Um, but I am interested, you know, I was very interested to hear uh, Master Chief Patton's ideas about reaching out to a much broader base of individuals, uh, both uh, young folks uh, for cadets and adults as well. Uh, trying to reach into communities that may be under-resourced or looking for uh, different things to do, different experiences to bring people, especially with regard to leadership and then, of course, leadership with or of character. And it was interesting to hear his perspectives and his, his thoughts on what character actually means because I think sometimes we all have different definitions. So uh, with that being said, I hope to get more episodes of these out later. Um, always leave, I know on our anchor podcast page, you can leave voicemail recommendations. And so if there's anybody that, you know, a comment, a shout out, anybody you think we should talk to any units out there, uh, officers, cadets, otherwise that are, uh, doing some great things, we'd love to hear about it and maybe, uh, invite them onto the show. So with that being said, uh, I want to thank you very much. Again, this is on anchor. Also check out our various social media pages. If you're interested in learning more about sea cadets, we're on YouTube, Facebook. I didn't think there's a Reddit page as well. Uh, Instagram, website, ccadets.org. We're everywhere, people. So uh, I will leave you with another half of Semper Paratus.